Blog Talk Radio. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures. I'm your host, Paul Booth. It is a wonderful Sunday. It is October 8th. We're here to discuss Art of the Prank. It's a documentary film that comes out tomorrow to iTunes, Hoopla, all the wonderful slew of video on demand. We are enjoying the day. It is a beautiful day in sunny Southern California. I have the window cracked open because it's a little too hot. So if you hear some wind chimes or some tiny bit of breeze, it's not going to be bad, but we're going to roll with it because, hey, we sit in a coffee shop and talk movies and hear people griping about their relationships. So today I'm going to be joined by street artists, artists. There's so many different names for it, but I'm just going to use the word artist, Joey Skaggs an anti-fake news activist known for decades for his art and examination of the media. Joey is full of life, art, and stories. I wrote this myself, so I don't know why I'm reading it like some PR rep wrote it. Uh, It's so exciting that this film's coming out. It's been playing the festival circuit for, I think, almost two years now. We'll let Joey mention some of that. Uh, It's played all over the world, from Sydney to Denver, L.A. to the United Kingdom, and South Dakota to Israel. Man, that must have been a heck of an experience playing Israel. Uh, We had a screener from there once, and it was just so interesting to see what the filmmaking vision was from there. I I so wish we could have had that guess on. Um, Anyways, this film has also picked up a number of awards. These are artists, though, that are not about the awards. The director, I I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, so I'll leave it up to Joey. Uh, the producer is Judy Drouse, uh, special person to me, uh, my first mentor in the film business. I was 19 years old, and I just remember walking into her office and babbling about film, and she took me under her wing. And so this is a nice full circle moment as we celebrate episode 245 it is just going to be a great show. Again, uh, some of the awards here, uh, we'll discuss some of them with Joey if he's up for it. Uh, they received an honorary mention with the jury at Slam Dance. Hold on, I see the phone ringing here. Welcome. Are you with us? Hey, Paul. Joey here. How are you? Hello. I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, and our team thanks you as well. Oh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You're, you're oh, my Kawhi oh. brother. Oh, yes, yes. I was just mentioning the wonderful uh, co- uh, connection. And, of course, for those of you out there, the connection we have to Hawaii. Great thing about Hawaii is the aloha that it gives people and the lifelong bonds. So there's so many different places we could start here. Joey, I mentioned that you're an artist. I mentioned the activists uh, taking an examination of fake news. I know for years the news has seemed fake, but now we actually have that word fake news, which I refuse to say, but I'm saying it here for the show, uh, that it actually exists. exists. So I think, um, first of all, what we'll do is, is just, I plugged the release. So we'll start out with, since we mentioned fake news, and I'm Mention it, especially just because this is what you do. Uh, you know, what is your take on the fact that news has been fake for so long, but that now it's actually called fake? 
and how this ties into what you've been doing. Well, thanks for saying I've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it my entire artistic career over 50 years. And of course, uh, uh, it, it offends a lot of people um, when you challenge the status quo. And I did things that were provocative and iconoclastic and in your face confrontational. And then I always revealed what it was, the, the truth behind it, which to me differentiated what I do as an artist and as a satirist, as an activist, uh, to other people who tell lies for profit or to motivate you to go to war or, or to deceive you in whatever reasons they, they wish to without ever revealing the truth. So my works of art, and I call them works of art because to me a, a prank uh, is a work of art. It's conceived, written, produced, directed, and acted. It involves many other artistic abilities to sculpt or write a press release or do photographs or to make a movie, whatever your you know, contribution talent-wise is to the piece. Uh, it's an art form. And um, so I've, I've used my art as, as an, as an, and the media as my medium to make these social political commentaries. And now we have leadership, which uh, makes it really difficult uh, to be satirical or to satirize reality because um, Trump, President Trump, uh, is the master of, of, of telling lies and deceiving people. And I'm not saying that because I'm on the, on the opposite side of the fence. I think most people are liars, and certainly most politicians are liars. Uh, I have a, you know, a little saying that I say every time there's an election, a long, long time ago before there were people, there were only dogs, and it was a dog-eat-dog world. There were homeless dogs and hungry dogs. And they were always fighting. And after eons of this, they decided to elect a leader, a president, if you like. And they had a bow-wow, and one said the French poodle because he was smart, and and another one said, well, the husky because he can pull the sleigh. Another one said, the Labrador because he can swim. And they started fighting again. And one little dog said, I know who should be our leader. And their ears went up and their tails started wagging. And he said, we should elect for our leader the dog whose asshole smells the sweetest. And they all said, yes. <laughs> and that's why dogs sniff assholes. And that's how I feel about politics. It's the asshole that smells the sweetest. And we certainly didn't have a great selection this year. So, you know, uh, we've got, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a that's a really um good one. I I sorry. I'm, <laughs> um okay, I'm I I I seldom lose composure, so um thank you for that. I I really appreciate that. This is a good lesson. Um I'm going to write this down. Keep composure no matter how funny to get this. Um <laughs> So, so with with I, uh, you, you hit on a point. You had mentioned the lies or something, and the word war came out. And I wanted to ask you to elaborate on something you mentioned when I saw this film at the ArcLight. You stressed ne- a prank never hurting anyone. So when you mentioned that you've uh, offended people. Uh, in what you do, was there ever a prank that it unintentionally hurt someone and you had to, you were possibly contacted by that person, or are you always, you're always making sure there's no way it could possibly hurt someone? Well, there's no guarantee that what you say or do won't be interpreted as being disrespectful or harmful to someone because I do challenge the status quo. I am, I am challenging what people believe in, 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 in my works. 
So uh, people are going to be offended, and they're going to take it out in any number of ways, either personally attack me physically or through the press, or, or attack some other target. Um, I did a hoax called Dog Meat Soup, where I uh, was attempting to show the, this unbelievable amount of racism in our, in our news media, and certainly against Asians. So I said I was a Korean businessman, and I wrote a letter, which I mailed out to dog shelters around the country, 1,500 of them, advertising to buy their unwanted dogs for 10 cents a pound to be cooked, canned, and eaten by, by humans. And all I had was, all I had was an outgoing letter uh, written in fairly racist kind of way as like pidgin English, uh, you know, and uh, I had the help of my Korean friends uh, who helped me with their the Korean characters on my press release from a Korean typewriter computer, and I had a Korean woman friend uh, do the outgoing message in Korean and in English, thanking you for calling Kesoju, you know, which is the name of my company, which means dog meat soup with alcohol. And um, we had dogs yapping in the background, <laughs> like they're going to be thrown into a soup pot. And that's all it was. It was just a, an outgoing uh, a letter and a message if you called. And people called and, and wanted to, to kill us, kill all Asians, cut off babies' hands, you know, just send us back to our own country. Um, they were outraged that we would eat a dog. But we are, as Americans, the, the you know, cultural police of the world. That's how we present ourselves. And who are we to say what is right and what is wrong? So, and we euthanize just a gazillion dogs every year anyhow. So the, the, the hypocrisy was unbelievable. But that little uh, piece that I did to illustrate racism and intolerance, cultural intolerance, touched the, the button on a lot of people who are animal lovers, who think that it's appalling to eat your own pet, or whatever their interpretation was, and they expressed great hatred and violence uh, towards me. Uh, they didn't even know it was me. They thought it was I was just a Korean businessman. So these are, these are things that you know uh, can hurt people. But I'm not making friends. You know, satire bites. And if you're trying to illustrate how people's beliefs are are mis misconstrued or believe, they believe in the wrong thing. Uh, being provocative and doing these kinds of things is one way of, of, of reaching them, but you're offending them. And you, and you, you hope that they have a change of consciousness and, and a change of awareness and rethink their values, but it doesn't always work that way. You're going to piss people off. Now, with, with this, you've, you've, you've touched on social, political, human conditions, so we can go to that cliche question that I always hate asking guests but it gives the context uh, what is your uh, your educational background or college or because all these things have to have such a I'm not saying book smart business did you just base this is it just life or do you have some formal study that you put into politics and social and huh. all that well it's a good question and thank you and I mean Everyone should be qualified to, to, to you know, or people should, should ask what the qualifications are, who they're listening to. Uh, my background is very simple. I knew that when I was a young child, I wanted to be an artist. I was fortunate enough to be accepted into the extraordinary High School of Art and Design in New York City uh, as a young man, young teenager. And I 
then went on to the School of Visual Arts where I uh, received my degree and then I became an instructor at the School of Visual Arts for a number of years, teaching the field of uh, communication and media activism and media communications. So I, I have a formal education uh, in the world of art and fine art and advertising art. And of course, I think that my, my value system uh, uh, was molded by being exposed to lots of other people uh, with, you know, passion, a passion or passions to be creative and who came from different backgrounds. So I was lucky that I was, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in one of the greatest cities in the world uh, in a very specialized sense, uh, studying art by very talented teachers. So that certainly had an impression uh, on my opinion-making and my decision-making. And, of course, I was angry about what was going on in the world, and I came from, I come from, uh, teenage parents. World War II, my father was a southern orphan, uh, joined the, the military, was stationed in New York, met my mom, uh, and uh, she was, you know, the daughter of, of immigrant immigrant family. And uh, they were both teenagers and thought each other, found each other to be exotic and got married and had me. And, of course, they didn't have formal training. They didn't have an education uh, of, of much of, of anything other than hard knocks. And their, their values were very different from what I developed. Uh, they had religious upbringings, both very different, one being Roman Catholic, my mom, and my dad being Southern Baptist. So I was raised a schizophrenic. And, uh, of course, I, I, I personally rejected all of this as, as I formulated my own opinions. And that didn't sit well with them. And then it was the war in Vietnam. And, of course, my father being you know, a, a veteran of World War II and I had two brothers who also were in the, in the service during that era, and I refused to go. I wasn't going to go to a, a, uh, to Vietnam and, 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 and kill Asians. They weren't even called Asians. Uh, so um, I was ostracized and, and, and uh, not liked by my immediate family, and uh, that only helped me to strengthen my my resolve in being an independent thinker and a person of action to speak out against hypocrisy as I self-righteously perceive it. So those are my, that was my, those are my formative years to answer your question in a long way. Yes, I'd have an education and yes, I, w I went to the school of hard knocks and yes, I was thrown out on my ass by my own family and uh, I survived. Well, that's, I mean, that's definitely as well-rounded as it gets. And we want to mention just on the point that uh, Joey just mentioned, uh, the Vietnam War, I have to take the quick chance to plug the film that Ken Burton just made, the Vietnam War. It's out on PBS and streaming. We have to continue to educate ourselves about that stuff. Whole other topic. Um, my father's a Vietnam veteran, so uh, the word that you did not mention of what we called Asians uh, my father would say it was very interesting for him being 18 when he found out that the word means foreigner. So we were in another country calling them foreigners when we were the foreigners. So as I said right. for another time, um, did you have just uh, – this is just a brief one. Since you were exposed to 
And gosh, I've only been to New York twice, and I could see where it's just the ultimate gumbo of artistic stew. Uh, did you have, uh, you knew you wanted to be an artist. Your stuff uh, has obviously theatrics to it. Is is there an is there a specific art that's on the side that you didn't dabble in, but you use for inspiration, or it's just kind of like your uh, whether it's film or music or painting, it's it's just kind of there, and that's something you just kind of kind of like your side art. No, it's it's all of the above, you know. Uh, uh, it's, it's you name it, and I've 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 studied it or played in it or or you know it's it's my means of expression. I'm a painter, a sculptor, you know, you know, uh, it's it's it's. I don't know how to say it. I, I'm an artist. And, oh no, that's uh, hey, whatever works. That's the the, the like uh, I'm yeah. saying. There is no there is no right or wrong answer. We're all <laughs> we're all going down the road. Right. Um, now, as far as the film goes, this film I I know anyone will enjoy, and I don't. Uh, you've known me long enough that I say this for audience and new audience. I don't. I'm not one of those hosts that tells guests what they want to hear. I don't tell anyone what they want to hear. So many of the things you've said so far I relate to because obviously the show's not censored and I I really lean heavily towards uh, not giving a shit. Um, you know, always the context, uh, not like uh, my grandma used to always say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, so with this film, it takes a look at your storied career, takes a look at some of the pranks, um, I, of course, was so intrigued by that I didn't know any of this about you and that I've known you um, as long as I have. And so I'm really, uh, for the audience, you really want to check this out. Don't think of, don't hear the word prank and think that this is about a guy who goes around being an a-hole just to be one. Um, there is, the reason why it's called Art of the Prank is because it's done with artistry. So what what I wanted to know was was why now, or had this been a documentary that you wanted to do for 20 years and it just finally came to fruition? Uh, what was the, the the spark that made it be like I got to have this film out there in 2016? Right. Good question. Thanks for asking it. You know. Um, I, let me. I can. I can ramble on for, for a long time about answering this. Um, I should say that first. Let me define kind of, uh, in a, maybe in a better way, a simpler way. What is it that I do? I'm an artist. I use the media as my medium: newspapers, magazine, radio, television, whatever. Um, I create imaginary but plausible theatrical performances. Uh, and I execute them with actors, props, locations, any any way of actually trying to make it more believable. And I do it in three stages. The first stage is the hook, where I come up with a concept. I figure out what it's going to cost, what I'm going to say, what's most important, what am I doing, what's my intent. And then I, I figure out how to execute it, and I, and I execute it. Secondly is the hook. I, where does it go? Who, 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 who swallowed it? Um, how far will it go? Uh, how do I follow it along? You know, do, do I Google and see what's going on? Do I hire a press clipping service? You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking it. I'm recording it everywhere it's been. And thirdly, and most importantly, 
is when I reveal the truth, which I call the expose. And that is critical to me because telling the truth uh, is the part where instead of going, ha ha, I got you, people go, aha, I believe that. What else do I believe in that's totally not true? And that to me is the critical part. That's what my art is about. So I've been doing it, as I said earlier, for over 50 years. And unbelievably uh, to most people and to myself that one person can be successful at fooling repeatedly, you know, sometimes the same news people over and over again. But that's been the case. Uh, this is not a, a one-off kind of prank that I've done or, or a half dozen pranks. I've done scores and scores of pranks. You can call them a prank you know, and call them a work of art. But, you know, I've done scores of these things and have continuously gotten away with it. So a film could have been made on my life at any point, having initially done a bunch of them, it would have maybe been interesting to, to some filmmaker. And it was. And I've been pursued over the years for decades by various filmmakers who wanted to do a documentary about my work. And I have to say also that I've kept a meticulous archive of my work. My work is essentially ephemeral. I'm not producing a, a commercial viable product where I can exhibit it and sell it and make money from it. I don't do this for money. I've never made any money from doing this. This is not what I, it's not for money. It's to make a social, political, satirical comment. So I have this vast archive and I've had filmmakers approach me and they wanted me to sign over my life story to them and they wanted access to my archive. Well, you read a contract and they essentially own you. They own, they own whatever thought you may have now in the past <laughs> in the future. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, you know, they, they want to, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So you have to then hire an attorney and present your attorney with the contract that was presented to you so he could point out how many, or she could point out how many ways they're going to screw you. And so I, 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 never, I never found myself in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation that was something that I wanted to be in legally with giving someone control over my life. And recently, with the making of Art of the Prank, I was speaking at a university in, in Rome, Italy. Someone was laughing loudly, and a bunch of people you know, took us out for, for, for dinner. And a producer said that he wanted to do a documentary about me. And then he ended up bringing a young director, Andrea Marini, uh, to New York to cover me. And Andrea just never stopped filming. And we didn't have a contract. We had nothing really uh, to go on in the beginning. And somehow, miraculously, uh, my trusting this at the time, young, who was 27 years old, director who had never done a feature uh, with my life story, uh, I don't know, I did it. <laughs> and uh, we now have a film, which is amazing in itself. So... Um, and, you know, documentaries are just a slice of life. You know, I mean, he could have done it, someone could have done it 30 years ago and I would have been younger and, and uh, perhaps maybe uh, better looking and, and, uh, and more articulate or, or more exciting or whatever or different. You would have captured some other aspect of my slice of life. This captures a certain slice of my life now. I'm, I'm taking care of my elderly mom. I'm isolated in, a, in, in a rural Kentucky and I'm still able to be active and do stuff, and he captures that. So I, my hat's off to him for 
being handed a vast archive in which to make a movie. He could have made any number of different movies. I didn't, I didn't even want to do a current narrative in this feature because what if I didn't succeed or 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 what if it was shallow or thought to be shallow or or any number of reasons. I, I was, you know, just take my history. Here it is, make a movie. But he he insisted upon doing a current narrative, and he was right. So I had to come up with a, an idea that I thought would be uh, meaningful to me and to an audience, but also to give him an opportunity to film something. Because when he said he wanted to do me doing a current current work of art, a current prank or a hoax, whatever you want to call it, I said, well, what are you going to do? Have a cameraman, a soundman, a director sitting around waiting for my 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 phone to ring or for me to get a, 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 a nibble on, on a fake website that I've designed. Um, you know, there's no, there's no film here. So I right. the, the concept of giving him something to film and then see what happened with it. So I, I came up with a concept where I would produce and direct a documentary film and that he would then be able to follow me as I had my film crew doing my film. He would be doing a film about me as I was doing a film about something else. And that is sort of the structure of Art of the Prank. And, of course, there's a prank in, in Art of the Prank, uh, which we won't give away. And um, of course. We, wanted the, we wanted the audience to feel part of this ongoing process, which I think the film succeeds in doing. Well, yes, it very, uh, I mean, I reviewed it, God, that Arclight screening was, I, I know it was over almost a year ago or more. Uh, what I what I enjoyed the most about the film, and of course, the audience doesn't have the chance to go back in time and, and know you for a good 20 years here and there. Uh, but what I enjoyed the most is that, uh, the, that we've been talking here about uh, some pranks and some of uh not stuff that's saying I guess stuff that is an illusion, a hoax that's not real. And what I liked the most about it was it made me think of when you know someone who's just a really quiet guy and then they invite you to their indie film and they just perfectly play <laughs> this loud mouth and it was like you're one of the most real people I know. I don't feel like it would be like, oh shit, my wallet's missing. I was at I was out to dinner with Joey and and, you know, I don't, you're the kind of guy that would tell me if I was being an asshole, you wouldn't just keep it. So it's like, I loved that there was this whole side that was coming from someone who's real, who's uh, not doing it to be phony or to put up a front or like you said, uh, screw someone or get attention or um, that doing it because it's your art form. That's uh, basically what, what I feel are all artists are really doing. They're living in their uh, in their zone. Um, again, of course, we're here talking about Art of the Prank, which it hits numerous video-on-demand platforms tomorrow, Monday the 9th. Uh, you guys can check this out. Great documentary. It's fun. It's different each time you watch it, so I suggest buying it. So you can check it out a couple of times. You will want to show your friends. Don't do that thing where you only have it for 48 hours. And then you have to, well, actually do that because then you'll have to pay more and the filmmakers will get more royalties. <laughs> so it works either way. Um, it's all good. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I almost feel like I think of the show House of Cards. It's like I feel like these writers 
sit around and probably just read the newspaper and then use Kevin Spacey for the dialogue. You had briefly mentioned some of the challenges of coming out of hoax where uh, it's almost like the country's such a Truman show that it's like, how do you come up with a Truman show? So uh, I wouldn't say that it's writer's block, but do you feel that it gives you, that it really does kind of take away or does the media coming into light now of how much more it's fake is there, oh, sorry, getting on that toward this mess. I almost feel like more people thinking the news is fake to what you do is like what streaming did to CD and vinyl. Is it something where it's like now people are catching on, so they're not going to see the baloney because well, now people who did, yeah, so go ahead. Well, I, I hope people are more suspicious and, uh, and, and more questioning of what they're being fed uh, because we are bombarded with, with, with lies and advertisements uh, uh, constantly. So to have a more critical eye uh, to question what it is that we're hearing, I think is really important. It's really uh, a big media literacy issue. Uh, how do you identify, how do you know what, what's the truth and, and not the truth? And, and, and who's, who's going to tell you, you know, if it's a lie or not? Where are the gatekeepers for, for the information? So it's a major issue, and it's certainly gotten bigger, uh, again, because of our current administration, uh, him calling the media, uh, you know, fake news. There's always been fake news. It is a war propaganda for everyone. Uh, uh, this is nothing new. You know, people want you to, to buy something or to, to to vote a certain way or whatever it is. They're going to try to impress upon you their value system, their opinions, and make you go along with it. They're going to, they're going to con you or convince you or try to. And you, it's up to you to decipher, you know, is this something I can believe in? Do, do, do I want to do this? Do I want to purchase this? Do I want to live this way? Do I want to buy into the system. So, you know, it's, 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 it's been a, it's ongoing and, and yes, it's getting more attention. Uh, and, and for me, with art of the prank, maybe, maybe it's even working in a negative way. Uh, one could possibly think because I don't want to be associated with, uh, uh, outright calling all media fake news because it's certainly not. There are responsible journalists who uh, work very hard to, to, get to the truth and people journalists who put their lives on the line to report the truth and they shouldn't be dismissed by, by an outrageous statement like the media is all fake news. Uh, yes, there are irresponsible journalists. Yes, there are sloppy reporters. Yes, there are people with an objective uh, uh, to try to, to motivate you to, to do something that's beneficial to them or who they represent. But it's, you know, it's up to you, the individual, to figure out what it is that you're being told. And you have to be, you have to be educated, aware of it, conscious of it. And, and uh, we should make sure that media literacy is something that we teach our young. Well, well thank you for saying, uh, I mean, I knew that someone that you, would th- that you would think, but thank you for saying that it's not everyone because even though what we do with, film journalism is not uh, going and 
to Iraq and reporting on the news or it's not following the cure of cancer, but did notice since this administration and the way news and reporters have been put on the fire, um, I did notice in this last year, I was just commenting the other day, that filmmakers were, uh, they'd see the press badge and they would talk to you less. They would tell you less about as to where before they might introduce you to their girlfriend or they might talk to you about politics or they might uh, now it would get to a certain point and all of a sudden they had to go to the bathroom or a conversation only goes five minutes instead of an hour. And I, I really started to think like, God, I, I look good. My tie's good. My breath doesn't stink. I showered. And then I started hearing more and more about yeah. this uh, being weary of the press. And I thought, God, you know what? I'm, I'm not liking how they see this word and instantly think that maybe I'm some guy who's going to try to steal their idea or misconstrue what they said or uh, say something bad about them in whatever, whatever form I'm in the media. And I thought, God, this is kind of uh, uh, sometimes I've, I've actually been at events and, and used my jacket to hide uh, this is the first time ever this year, hide the press part. So they just think that I'm a filmmaker or, a part of the festival. So this is leaking down just to the word press. Um, and that's kind of a crazy thing. Cause I, I say we probably have the least thing that we do other than covering art and bringing new art to the world. Um, you know, like you said, there's journalists that are out there. They put their lives on the line. Uh, I'm certainly just enjoying free parties. Um, <laughs> Uh, so for this film, someone finally, uh, obviously well-directed, great documentary, put it down. It's on film. Is there a, a big lesson for you for what you do that you learned through this film that you could say you absolutely would not have received had you not done this film? You kind of got to sit there and go, wow, you know what? No art of the prank. I don't know if this lesson would have came to well, I, I I don't know that it's, it's I don't know what lesson will will come to me. Uh, everything that you do is a learning curve, and uh, just the experience of doing it. So I, I've enjoyed you know working on 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 everything that I've worked on, even though some things maybe didn't work out to the way you thought they would. Uh, so I have no regrets, and I don't know where it's going to go, and and who it's going to turn on, or who it's going to turn off. Uh, so I'm I'm totally open to seeing where it goes. Uh, I'm glad that it's now an, uh, that it's a film. It's not that I, I've never had any attention in my life. I've been, you know, interviewed by lots of people and appeared in many places, literally around the world. But having a a one project, a film like this, makes it easier for a lot more people to be uh, introduced to uh, this world, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, it's not my film. I didn't produce it or direct it. Uh, I'm I'm just a, a piece of it. That's Andrea's film about my work and how he sees it. Uh, so I'm sorry he's not here to uh, to chime in. Um, I don't know what to say. Well, well, please uh, send our congrats too as well about that other release and uh, our congrats on that and this film. Um, I did not get to meet him at the Arc Light, but of course that Q and A was um, and a wonderful experience. 
Um, that leads me into, I had a question here that, uh, I mean, I you guys go to the website, um, Art of the Prank, that's all one word, uh, dash the movie.com, and you can see the amazing list of uh, played all around the world, literally, and numerous Q&As. Uh, so for these Q&As, you, I know some filmmakers I've talked to, you know, they get the, what was your budget, how long did it take, and as you're saying, it wasn't your film, but from the point of view of being the subject, uh, is there maybe a story that comes to mind of, I've seen filmmakers, I love when they get a question and they literally, they want to read the riot act about how stupid of a question that was, but they just say like, you know, I can't answer that next. I mean, do you have something now that you could tell us about where it was just like, my God, did someone actually open their mouth? Like, so now you don't have to tell them, you can tell us. Gee. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm scanning my files in my head. (laughs) I mean, I've been threatened. Somebody wanted to kill me. Uh, Someone was so offended. Uh, he wanted to get a gun. He wanted to go for his gun and shoot me. Um, uh, other people, I mean, that, that was an extreme in one direction. Um, um, there, there's always the obvious questions. and So how does this make money? You know, and I, I, you can say, well, why would you ask me that? Do you, do, you, do you wish to emulate what it is that I do? And you want to know how it is that I do it like a magician, uh, that I have these tricks? Or do you think that, I'm, that I inherited a, a fortune that I don't have to work, not realizing how, how hard doing what I do is for no capital gain? Uh, but, but the question is, is usually, you know, so how does this make money? And the answer is it doesn't. And you have to have a lot of passion. You have to have smoke and fire coming out of your asshole if you even want to do something like this for, for art, for art's sake. So, so uh, right. <laughs> yes, so, there, you, know, and, you and, do and, have to be and, the yeah. You do have to be kind of a little bit crazy, whatever kind of crazy it is, right? Yeah, if you want to do it, you're, you're going to find a way to do it. That means you you know do something else to subsidize your existence while, while you pursue your passion. You do that, and that's what most people do because they can't they don't have the means to just do what they want to do. But if you, you know, if you made a decision that I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to buy a house, I'm not going to have kids, I'm not going to send them to college, I'm not going to pay dental bills, you know, you know, if you don't do a lot of things and only do what it is that you're trying to do in your life, which is instead of having a family and a, and a mortgage and all that, to create art, well, then you've made decisions. Just to, you know, so you cut out a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of baggage immediately. You don't have to worry about divorce, payments or whatever, because you didn't get married. <laughs> right. You didn't do these things. So, you know, it's all about choices that we all make. So you have to think long and hard about, you know, because consequences are there. Yes, you've you've hit on something that I, in the last couple of years, because I'm that prime age of I'm the social degenerate because I don't have two kids in a house. And I have right. conversations with all my uncles that I'm close with, two Hanai uncles, two, one of each of my parents' brothers, and they would hear me out and, you know, you don't have kids, what's the problem? You don't have a mortgage, what's the problem? Uh, You know, I called my uncle once, I was feeling kind of down, you know, I was kind of 
bummed that I had went to too many festivals without a date. I called him up. He's listening to me. He goes, did you wear what you wanted? Did you leave what you wanted? Did you have as many beers as you wanted? Did you eat what you wanted? Right. I said, yeah. He hung up on me. I thought he disconnected. Yeah, he I called back and said, what do you do? <laughs> he said, I thought you had an actual problem. You called me. I got off the phone. <laughs> I put a meeting on hold. You're bitching because you didn't have, and it's, I'm not being sexist. And he literally said, if you have a problem, call me between these hours. I said, okay. So I was like, uh, point taken. So it was a really funny well, moment. Man. I said, yeah, That's exactly. Right. I was That's like, right. the wise old That's owl. Right. So, <laughs> so that, that I definitely from that day on went, okay, I, I guess it is cool to be walking around the festival doing whatever the hell I want. Um, now, right. you we've uh, a, a question again that relates to your art form in general. Uh, goes without saying you wouldn't harm children or do something that hurts people uh, physically. But I usually ask filmmakers what genre they wouldn't do. So is there a certain type of prank that you would just wouldn't be interested in ever doing? Like it's come up, it would it would really work, but you're just like, ah, oh, that's not my thing. I wouldn't really want my name on something like that. Well, I'm very discerning, and I make sure that I have my own criteria that I, that I go by, that it won't harm anyone, it won't, uh, I won't exploit people for money, that I will always tell the truth in the end. Um, it has to have, you know, intent, content, and 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 uh, technique, and hopefully the magic that makes it live after I've done it. So I go through a whole process of of thinking about issues that I think are important to comment about. And then how would I possibly come up with a construct that allows me to deal with that issue? So it's always, uh, you know, like, what am I going to do about this? How can I do that? How can I afford it? Does it take other people, props, location? What does it take? What time frame? And so you go, you know, it, it's a process. And I have a, this, I've been doing this for a long time. So I, I've written about it. Um, it's on my article. It's on joeyskaggs.com. There's, a, there's, a, there's something called uh, how to cook and the well-prepared journalist, how to, how, to, how to catch and cook a journalist. There's a recipe on how to do what I do. It's written kind of <laughs> in the form of, of a recipe. But, uh, but you know, I, there's a lot of stuff you can read on, on joeyskaggs.com. Uh, and you can see what, what, what I'm sure your audience is going, what is he really talking about? What is, this, what is a prank? Give us a prank. Give us an example. I can give you many examples. If you want me to give you an example, I can tell your audience like what I, one of the things that I or several of the things that I've done in the past. Um, I even forgot the question you just asked me. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Holland Tunnel. I have. I, yeah, Judy Judy Droz, the producer of the film, is in the background yelling at me. <laughs> Signaling me. Hey, you didn't call my uncle, Joey. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, Judy's my parole officer. She can get. Uh, I wrote about this in a, in a, in a book called uh, put up by research. Uh, it's called Pranks. It's volume 11, uh, V-Vale in San Francisco. And I said that in the 60s, uh, as a young painter and a sculptor, uh, I, I was mostly rejected by the art world because I was too young. Uh, you're a kid going up with your, 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 your portfolio or your slides of your paintings and they look at you and they go, you know, you don't even shave yet. What do you, what do you mean you want to have a show in this gallery? Uh, or, or their work was not what it, what 
what I was doing. It doesn't represent what I was doing. And there were many, many art forms happening then. Minimalism, punk, funk, junk, optical art, uh, abstract expressionism, photorealism. So there, there, you know, galleries showed certain artists, and it's hard to get into the stable of artists because they don't have you know, only so many days or weeks in a year. And uh, so it's really hard to, to get accepted into a gallery. And then if you know you're not doing what what they want, you're not going, you don't have a, a chance a chance at all. So I thought I would make a social political commentary on the whole pretentious contemptible art scene as I perceived it. And I was going to create a new art movement called the bowel movement. And my first piece was going to be obstruction. And I was going to build a giant turd or a fish or a tampon, put it on the back of a flatbed truck with my friends, drive through the Lincoln or the Holland Tunnel in, in Manhattan, and stop the truck in the middle of the tunnel and have my friends unload this giant turd or whatever it would be, you know, uh, to, block the, to block the tunnel and drive out. Well, of course, traffic would be backed up. They'd call the police. The police would go in there. They'd call the emergency squad. There would be you know, fire trucks. Uh, they'd have, I'd call the news, there'd be news cameras there, I'd have a cameraman on both sides of the tunnel, and they would, you know, put the tow truck in, and the tow truck would exit pulling out a giant turd, or a giant tampon, or, or a fish, whatever it was, uh, you know, your pick. And uh, I knew that it would make the 6 o'clock news, and the 10 o'clock news, and the 11 o'clock news, I know it was newsworthy. And I was laughing at it, and then I realized, well, what about consequences? What happens if there's a fire in the tunnel? What happens if someone dies? What happens if someone was uh, transporting a heart for transplant, transplantation, uh, and and it didn't get there and the person died? All that would be on me. So did I want to do my art uh, and endanger uh, and maybe even be responsible for the taking of other people's lives? And, of course, the sane answer for that is absolutely not. I wouldn't do that. So all this figures into what it is that I do. I, I try not to do reckless, dangerous things. If there's anything dangerous, like offending people, like with my confessional booth where I built a, uh, a, a Catholic confessional booth called Portafest, mounted on the back of a tricycle, put on a priest's cassock, and pedaled up to the Democratic Convention in 1992 to hear the confessions of politicians, well, there were some you know, people that were offended by it. Some people were irritated by it. Some people wanted to harm me. Some people loved it. Uh, some people came in and confessed beyond the actors that I had lined up to, st- to prime the well, and the media ate it up. Well, that, if something were to happen, it would only happen to me. It wouldn't happen to you know a group of other people. But I've done group things where uh, the possibility of getting arrested is certainly there. Not that we were breaking a law, but it could be that we just offended someone morally and they wanted us to be incarcerated, they'd find some reason in which to do that. So I always tell all my co-conspirators, you know, here's what happens, here's what might happen, uh, here's what to be prepared for, and they have to know, know what they're getting into, and I make sure that that is, is the way it is before I do anything with anyone. So I'm, 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 res- I'm a responsible liar. I'm an ethical liar. I always tell the truth, and, and, and you can argue that premise, you know, but, uh, no, that's a great one. No, 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 like you're saying, you got to tell the truth. I mean, it's, yeah. The messages were all being lied to. So. Ethical lie. No, I like that. I mean, having just spent a couple of weeks in Europe that I did, 
I was so, I, I never took acid. It must be what it's like the way it just made me realize how everything is just so PC here. I mean, the radio there, hip hop is uncensored, uh, ordering a sandwich from a girl. And she's just like, you know, I'm like, teenagers can drink beer. And she's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is like so cool. The waitress is just blurting out the F word. And I'm thinking like, God, somebody would get like reprimanded or suspended or fired at Applebee's for and somebody might get offended that the waitress said the F word. And I actually said to her, I'm like, that's funny. You you know, your voice is really sexy. Can you say that again? She's like, fuck. And I'm like, fuck. And we're sitting there just saying that. And I thought this is so funny. Like the conversation is just effort, effort, effort. She had to rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Later, it wasn't that she was flirting. She has Tourette's. I love it. (laughs) Come on. Don't don't, don't bring my self-esteem any lower, Joey. No, um, so, <laughs> um, and again, everyone, this film is, it's so fun and it's so, uh, and I, w- I was fortunate just to see, um, I, I, we won't go into anything. I, I know there was just maybe a tiny change of a minute or two. Um, so I had the good fortune in our show. Um, you, you Google this, let's see, I looked up that you guys played, uh, the arc like that was April 10th of 2016. My gosh, it was that long ago. So if you guys go in our archives, www.talkingpicturesla.com, of course, on the homepage, we have that wonderful interview with the cinematographer of Lion, Greg Fraser. But please jump past that. Go to podcast episodes, which is our archives. And if you go back, uh, that had been probably 150 episodes ago. Again, we're celebrating episode 245 today. Uh, with our friend Joey Skaggs and the producer Judy. And uh, you guys can hear my initial review. I remember totally loving this and my mom, and you guys were so gracious in providing us with some tickets. Um, This film has some really cool surprises, and it is going to make you think uh, and really notice some of the absurdity, not some, I guess a lot of the absurdity, that we put up with and I had a much such a different appreciation seeing it the second time because of course if you look at the date of April 10th that was before we had the whole Truman show of the election before we had the outcome and before we've now had the uh, nine months of what's going on in the world so it almost feels like uh, the the hangover had not begun it was uh, so. There is so that's what I think is. I, w- I wanted to say that was greatest about this film was that, uh, and kudos to the director Judy, the producer, and of course, being the documentary subject, the way you guys really did uh, let what was going on in the world be in the film. And I love when artists are able to let control, let go of control, because I know as artists, there's certain things we try to control. Um, one of my last questions for you would be, well, actually, I wanted to let the audience know, because some audience require hearing this to believe that a film's worth seeing. Uh, this got the jury honorary mention for documentary feature at Slamdance. It won Best Documentary at the Alhambra Theater Film Festival. The Best of Fest, I might pronounce this wrong, Free de Or at the Lower East Side Film Festival. Jury Prize for Best Film at the San Francisco Doc Fest. 
winner feature documentary Bonita Springs International Film Festival and best documentary film at the New Jersey Film Festival. Again, as you can tell, Joey is an artist who does not do it to have the plaques on the wall, and I know Judy does not do that either. They're both real artists, real people. They especially give to other artists. And so uh, one of my last questions would would be, uh, uh, sorry, what for you, other than you had mentioned that you want people to be more aware, is there something aside from the real critical level that you just really want people to take from this film? Like maybe you want to inspire someone to be an artist or to turn over their leaf and chase biology. Is there something past your usual, your main theme that you would love for people to get from this film? from the point of view that you were the subject? Well, to answer that in the broadest way possible, uh, what, I, what I'm always asking myself and what I think everyone should ask themselves is who are you? What do you believe in? Did you come to your beliefs? Do you ever question the source of your beliefs? If not, why not? Ah, I love it. That's so poetic. That's really, thank you. you. That's such a, uh, that's such a, let's talk Kauai. That's such a short rib, but with like 10 ribs on the plate. I really like the way you put that. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you. I need to uh, call up my dad and tell him I don't believe anything he taught me. Joey told me to think about what you said and you're all full of shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) see see if that gets you back (laughs) yeah Yeah. you you know my dad he's full of baloney Judy knows too Um, (laughs) so this is again everyone you guys are going to be able to catch this film Uh, I will finish with the synopsis and plugging the social media Um, uh, I'll let Joey go and we thank him for his time if there's anything you'd like to say to close it up I'm just going to close up with the synopsis and making sure your social media gets plugged. But uh, if there's anything you or Judy would like to say, uh, the floor is yours. I just, I just like to thank you, Paul, for for all the wonderful work you have been have done and are doing, and all the people you're you're turning on. And it's a, it's a great pleasure, and I'm really proud to be with you. And thanks for sharing the time. You're very welcome. Thank you. And anything for Judy? Hey, Paul. Uh, I haven't, <laughs> haven't intentionally been quiet here. I've just been fascinated by the conversation. I think it's been really a wonderful interview. And uh, thank you so much. Um, You're making very welcome. this movie was, was a dream come true for me, and I believe also for all of us, everyone who worked on it. The um, technical crew, the creative crew, everybody – gave us everything they had because of the subject. And they just were so, so into it. And I think that shows in the movie, and it's something that we're all very, very proud of. And we thank you so much for helping us to let the world know about it. Oh, you're very welcome. And anything for you, Judy, I I told you many times, but I don't forget being that 19-year-old kid sitting at your desk and 
I very much appreciate everything that you have done for the film world as well. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yes. You guys have a, have a great night, and I, of course, will be speaking to you soon and getting you guys this link once it's ready. Wonderful. Thanks. Aloha. All right. Aloha. Aloha. Bye. And that was fantastic being joined by Joey Skaggs and Judy Jost, the producer. Again, we were talking about Art of the Prank, the movie website, artofthepranktheMovie.com, Facebook, Art of the Prank, the movie, Instagram, at Art of the Prank, the movie, and the synopsis, filmed in New York, London, Connecticut, Hawaii, L.A., and Kentucky, and with unprecedented access to the man in his archive, this 85-minute documentary reveals the artist behind the curtain, interweaving his current unfolding hoax with a look behind the scenes at some of the classic performance pieces of Mr. Joey Skaggs. I gave you the synopsis last because I wanted you to learn about the artist and not have any bias towards the synopsis. But now you know, watch the film tomorrow, rent it, buy it, do whatever you can to see it. I guarantee you're going to enjoy it going to make you think you're going to laugh it's going to do all the things great art should do that's going to do it for us here at talking pictures as we wrap episode 245 we always want to say thank you aloha most of all right now peace